Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Well, Lucy spoke this morning, brought a word from God about the pool and getting into the pool. Well, this is the pool. That light is bright. This is the pool. And the word of God is the pool. So sit back and enjoy the pool and be refreshed, but be changed today when you hear the word of God. Can I pray real quick? I know we prayed a lot, but it really would help me. Father, we just want to say thank you for your goodness and your kindness on our life. Lord, you are so awesome. Lord, remember all that you've done in our life. Lord, we remember the goodness and the kindness you've shown to us. Father, some, t- some of us would say, what goodness and what kindness. Father, we are sitting in a building with air conditioning. Lord, your, my car started this morning when I drove here. Father, there is no one breaking in this building, arresting us, put us, putting us in prison for meeting together. Lord, you are really kind to us. Lord, this morning when I woke up, I had breath in my lungs. Lord, you've been really kind to me. Father, I just invite Holy Spirit today to speak and to move and to do what only you do, which is change lives and love on us. Father, we say thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, before I get started, I've never had this opportunity before, but I do right now. I get to say happy birthday to my mom. Her birthday is tomorrow. we won't, we won't make her, we won't, we won't embarrass her by singing in front of her, and you don't want me to sing, but my mom and dad will call me on my birthday and sing to me over a phone. So tomorrow I'll call her on the phone and sing to her over the phone, <laughs> or come by. So I want to get started. Uh, you know, we've been in a series called What Kind of People Should We Be? And I want to tell a couple stories this morning. The first one I want to tell is out of 2 Chronicles 18. And it talks about two kings. There was King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. King Ahab was the king of Israel. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And they were rivals. Uh, Funny enough, they came from the same family. But at one point, they split and they became rivals. And they set up barriers. Well, one day, during one time, Jehoshaphat's family married into Ahab's family. So a couple years later, Jehoshaphat goes and visits Ahab. And Ahab says to him, he says, will you come and fight with me against Ramoth Gilead? That was the Armenian army that was against them. And he said, "Uh, I am as you, my people are your people. And uh, one thing that Jehoshaphat said to him, which is really amazing in this is, first, seek the counsel of the Lord. Isn't that important to first seek the counsel of the Lord before we do anything? So many, so many of us walk into situations in our life where we just do what we know to do. Maybe that's not what God wants us to do at that time. So in every situation of our life, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Literally, when I get up in the morning, first seek the counsel of the Lord. God, what am I supposed to do today? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to You know you're supposed to go to work, but Lord, what is that supposed to look like for me today? First seek the counsel of the Lord. So they got these 400 prophets together and they said, okay, will you prophesy, should we go into battle? And all 400 prophets together as one unit, as one unit says go 
for God will give it into the, into the king's hands. But Jehoshaphat said to Ahab, is there not one that speaks of the Lord here? And Ahab says, well, there is one, but I hate him. He always speaks bad against me. He always speaks ill will against me. And Jehoshaphat says, well, you shouldn't say that about a prophet. So Ahab went, sent a servant to get a guy named Micaiah. He was the son of Imlah. And so while he, the servant's going, Jehoshaphat and Ahab are sitting on the threshing floor in their robes and stuff like that with all the prophets. The prophets are prophesying, and the prophets keep telling him, go into battle, you're going to be victorious. Matter of fact, one of them named Zedekiah stood up and he said, here's a ram horn with, uh, made of steel or made of iron. With this, you're going to pierce the Arminians, so go. Well, about that same time, the servant shows up to Micaiah and he says to Micaiah, he says, okay, Ahab wants you to come, you know, give him a word. They're going into, against Ramoth Gilead. 400 other prophets are saying, go. It's going to be a success. Can you just tell the king, go? It'll be a success. And Micaiah says, I'll go with you, but I can only say what the Lord tells me to say. Shows up in front of the two kings, and Ahab says, Micaiah, are we supposed to go and go into battle? Will we win? And Micaiah says, you know what? Just go. You're going to be okay. You'll win. And Ahab goes, I told you never to lie to me. Stop lying. <laughs> and, Micaiah, and, and, and Micaiah said this. He goes, I saw all, in verse uh, 16, he says, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. And then, Jehoshaphat, or then Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, See, I told you he never says anything good about me. And Micaiah continued in verse 18. It says, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the hosts of heaven standing on the right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, into attacking Ramath Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another suggested that. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord, and said, I will entice him. By what means, says the Lord, he goes, I will go and be a lying, a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then this guy named Zedekiah gets up, slaps Micaiah, and he goes, well, where did that come from? Which, which way of the Lord? And Micaiah said, you will find out on the day you go in your room and hide. The king of Israel then ordered, take Micaiah, put him, send him to Ammon, the ruler of the city of the king's son, and say, this is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return. And Micaiah declared this. He said, if you ever return, if you ever return safely, the Lord did not speak through me. Mark my words, all you people. <clears throat> First thing we learn in this, seek the counsel of the Lord. If you're going to go into something, you better seek the counsel of the Lord. You better not, and the second thing you do, you better not just do what everybody's doing. 400 people got it wrong. 400 people in the church got it wrong. Mm 
They kept going and doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. And they kept failing because they didn't seek the counsel of the Lord. We're in a time in COVID where we must seek the counsel of the Lord. The church, the big C church, cannot keep doing what they've been doing. Please don't send me to prison and lock me away like they did Micaiah. But I have a word from the Lord today that may convict us. And that's good because it convicted me. We've been studying uh, a passage, like I said, of what kind of people are we to be? Where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to look like? I want to tell you what happened to Laura and I during COVID. About 2004, we built a house in Old Monroe, Missouri. And it was a beautiful home. From the front, you could oversee 10, 10 miles to the back to Moscow Mills. From the front, you'd see about three miles overseeing the Mississippi River. It was a beautiful home. Um, and we just built, uh, you know, everything that we could think for just having a, exactly what you would want for a house. We had a big barn. We had a three-rail white fence around seven acres. Um, it was just awesome. It was just a beautiful home. It was our forever home. And then about five years ago, we decided, let's go ahead and put it in a pool. Let's just make this an amazing home. Let's actually gut the inside. We were going to paint it. We ended up gutting it, spending two years redoing the inside, just making this an amazing home. And then about three years ago, I'm driving home in September, three miles away, seeing this home up on a hill. And I'm like, I'm just not attached to that house. It's not our forever home. I mean, I was dreaming of retiring there. I drove home, Laura's in the kitchen, and I said, "Hun, I just, I'm not, I'm not attached to this house. She said, you know what? I'm not either. I said, you're crazy. You just spent two years getting this house exactly how you wanted. And she said, yeah, I'm not attached. So we began praying and asking God, should we stay there? And we didn't hear the thus saith, Godeth moveth. You know, there was no thus saith moveth. June of last year, I'm riding horses with a friend. We're getting ready to sell off some horses uh, just because it was that time in our lives that we just weren't using the horses, so we wanted, to go to, we wanted them to go to people who would. I was riding with a guy named John, and we're about a mile away from our house. We could see our house, and I asked John, I said, John, is now a good time to sell? He has about 17 rental properties. He said, well, it's not a bad time because you don't know what next year will bring. Funny enough, he had no clue about 2020. A little later on, I said, John, I just don't know. We haven't heard the thus saith moveth. And he said, Derek, I've went through a lot of stuff in my life, and I've learned that sometimes you've got to do stuff by faith if it's keep gnawing at you. So I went home, told Laura on a Thursday night. On Friday, we decided to sell the house. By Sunday, we found the piece of property we're going to move to. By Tuesday, we had, a list, we, had the, we had a real estate agent to be able to list the house. We also knew of a house in California we wanted to build. We said, if we ever move out of our house, we want to build this house. I found the plans online of that house. So we knew what, we, we had everything lined up. I knew God was going to sell our house in 15 days. That was July 7. Well, July came, August came, September came. September, we got, actually got a contract on the house. I went, in, went to the Bahamas with the hurricane relief uh, with Mark and, and Rick and a few other people. And while I was gone, Laura went and looked at a few apartments, came back. They, we signed on one of the apartments, and they backed out of the contract. Apartment complex was really nice to us. We just put down our deposit. They didn't make us start paying rent. Come October, November, December, no movement. Come January, we're wondering, should we still sell the house? 
lady named Lucy comes up and gives a word. Expand your tents. Expand your borders. And Lord just heard this clearly that we're supposed to sell our house through Lucy's word. So we keep going. In March, we get a contract on the house. Oh, in March, COVID hits. So Laura and I are, while everybody else is hunkering down, Laura and I are running to Home Depot, Lowe's, everywhere, trying to get everything we need um, to sell the house. So to, to speed this up, we sell the house on March 5th. March 1st, we move everything out of the house. March 2nd, some amazing cleaners come in and clean the house. They're here. They did a brilliant job. March, that was March 2nd. March 3rd, we, it was a Saturday. Yeah, March 3rd was a Saturday. We moved some final stuff out of the house. We're going to spend our last night there. We, they were buying our bed, our, our, a lot of our furniture, some beds and that, so we could stay there. The couch was there. Uh, we had a bonfire. And I walked back in, and it hit me that I would never walk in this house again. I'd never have a bonfire in the dream bonfire I wanted. And God spoke to me. And he reminded me of a story in the Bible of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came to Jesus one day and he said, what do I have to do to follow you? And he said, sell everything you got. And that's what we were doing. Because we knew that God was moving us to a new era. The next morning, I'm having coffee on the back porch for the last time. And my daughter comes out and she sits with me, my daughter Elise. And she said, Dad, you know this reminds me of the story in the Bible of the rich young ruler who sold everything, who couldn't sell everything to follow Jesus, but you and mom are following God and you're just moving in the direction that God has for you. Man, that's confirmation. So come that afternoon, we sit on the couch and we begin, and I said, let's just sit and pray before we leave. And I started saying, God, thank you. I said, for this fireplace, I say thank you. For the barn, I say thank you. For my children being able to be raised here, I say thank you. I am profusely crying, thanking God. We leave, I'm crying, that we go to our apartment, it's just jam-packed with stuff. I make a couple beds so we can sleep that night. We go to bed, eight o'clock the next morning, we wake up, and we have to go sell the house. And Laura says in the kitchen, are you sure we should do this? <laughs> I didn't laugh, I broke hard and cried. I went into a deep depression. I went into my bathroom and I cried. I text Tom, I text my mom and dad, I said, I need help. I don't know what's going on. It's just a house. It's like somebody died that was so close to me. And uh, we went in, at nine o'clock, uh, signed on the dotted line, sold, sold everything, and then came back and went into the apartment. And it was about noon, the only thing we had set up was our bed in our, in our room and a TV. And my daughter Raquel was going in to watch, uh, eat lunch and watch Andy Griffith. We love Andy Griffith. And uh, so I'm going in with a bowl of noodles and some vegetables. And I walk in and I grab a pillow and I go to throw it on the bed. And I literally can visualize this bowl of noodles go up in the air, hits the ground, and falls on the floor. And I broke. And I walk, walked in the kitchen 
and I walked back in the bedroom and I got on my knees. I couldn't stop the water from flowing out of my eyes. And I, I grabbed a pea and I put it in the bowl. And I grabbed a string bean and I put it in the bowl. And I grabbed a noodle and I put it in the bowl. I go, God, you got to help me. I have no clue what's going on. And I kept doing this. And uh, about an hour later, after I kind of got settled, I just walked in the family room and I'm like, I got to do something. I, all energy was gone from me. And I grabbed the couch and I put a couch in place. And then I put, put a chair in place. And Laura was helping me put a rug in place. And for two hours, we put stuff in place in this little bitty room that's about 10 by 14. And we didn't talk to each other. We just moved stuff. At 6 o'clock that night, a friend of mine named Mark Bardig shows up at my apartment to buy a desk from me for five bucks. And uh, I told, Mark had just moved. Him and his family moved in a new, beautiful place in Newtown. And I told him, I said, Mark, what I, this is what I'm going through. And he began to tell me how unless I let go of where I've been, I'm never going to get to where I'm supposed to go. And I, I actually have to grieve this process. I have to actually go through this process so that this would be released. And then he goes, can I pray for you? And he prayed for me. Well, he left. I went upstairs, and Laura goes, how are you doing? I go, I'm fine. I go, I'm done. It's, it's great. God just released me that quick of the grieving, of the depression. I mean, I was hurting. I've never been through anything like that in my life. And Mark texts me a little later, and he goes, how are you doing? I said, good. And he goes, I'm so sorry for such a stupid prayer. And I go, you changed my life. <laughs> Literally, he changed my life. Because from that point forward, Laura and I are living in this apartment. And they're the most beautiful people in this apartment. I know their names. I live with them. I talk with them. We were out with a couple that we met at this apartment complex on Friday night. That we had the opportunity to meet him in an elevator, pray for him. He could not, he could not move. He was in crutches. And two days later, I met him, and I said, what happened? You're, you're not using crutches anymore. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I found, my, I found out if I don't wear f uh, shoes and I wear flip-flops, it's much better. And I go, but you're actually walking. He goes, yeah. And I go, when did that happen? And he goes, pretty much after you prayed. I go, man, God's good. And we fist bumped, and away we went. I have met so many people. We're in love with the people here. And I know what God did is he took us from one place and put us in another. What kind of people are we to be? You know, in, in March, I was, for some reason, God put me in Deuteronomy. I have no clue why, but I started reading Deuteronomy. I was like, I do not read, need to read about the commandments of the bulls and the goats and the sheeps and the, all the craziness that they had to do back then. But I realized three things in Deuteronomy that I want to talk about today that helped me within this time period of COVID. You know, in Deuteronomy 7, 7, and 8, it says this says, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of people, but it was because he loved you. God set his affection on us because he loves us, just because he loves us. It says in the Bible that yet while we were still sinners, he loved us. Get your mind around that. Who do you hate or can't stand? He didn't hate us, but he hated sin. While we were still sinners, Christ loved us. While we were against him, not for him, he still loved us. That's how good he is. So the first thing I learned in Deuteronomy is that we're to be lovers of God alone. What kind of people are to be? Lovers of God alone. 
Dana ended her, her, her message last week with this. What am I supposed to do with my life? Some of us are asking that. So what do we do? What are we supposed to do with our life during this time? And I knew the answer right away. I wanted to run up and say it because it's this. In Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 14, it says this. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? Huh, we're all asking, God, what are you asking of us? Fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that he's given us today for our own good. If you're asking, what am I supposed to do? Fear the Lord. Walk in his ways. Love him. Serve him. Observe his commands. Deuteronomy 6.5 says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, or your might. You know, as I was reading through Deuteronomy, I'm reading, and they're talking, you, you read through it, it's pretty brilliant. You're reading through, and it says, and remember the commands of the Lord, to, Lord to, love, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And then it says, and do this, do this, and don't forget the commands of the Lord. And then it says, literally the next sentence is, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And so I go, Lord, it is not about what we're doing, it's about what we're being. We're being lovers of the Lord. And so when we're going through COVID, it is not what we're doing, although I will get to what we're supposed to do. It's not what we're doing. It's about what we're being. He first wants us to be with him. If you're not with him, it does not matter what you do. It says in the Bible, actually, that some of you will cast out demons in my name. Some of you will heal the sick. Some of you will raise the dead. And I will say that I never knew you because you don't have a relationship with him. You first have to have the relationship before you can do something in his honor because there's a reason for that. And I'll get to that. So what am I to do? In 1 Thessalonians, so we'll go to the New Testament. Maybe the New Testament tells us what to do. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says this. What am I supposed to do? Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you. So the Bible tells us what to do. Fall in love with him, be joyful, pray to him, serve him. That's all we have to do. And I asked myself this question, is God really the Lord of my life? Did I really make God the Lord of my life? Is there anything in my life that I can't let, let go of? See, life is about letting go. I, I just literally signed to start my first book that I'm going to start writing. And I was going to call it Life is About Letting Go, but I changed the title, the title and you can't know until I actually publish it. But life is about letting go. What is it that you've not let go of that you still hold on to security? Is it your 401k for retirement? 401ks are great. I'm not saying don't have them. I'm just saying, is that your security? Like us, was it owning our house? I think I found my identity in our house. We were going to do our ministry in our house. We were going to do stuff in our house. But God said, no, I want you to go out and do something. Do we find our identity in this church, in, a, in this building? Some of us find our identity here in speaking. I don't want to speak. <laughs> this is not what I like. I love one-on-ones over coffee with a nice big omelet when mine's the biggest. Amen. That's what I like. Is some of yours health insurance? 
Maybe paying off the mortgage. God, when I get the mortgage paid off, if you'll help me pay off the mortgage. Lord, will you pay off the mortgage this year? And then I know it'll all work out. God doesn't want that. He wants your, he wants your heart first. Maybe some of it is just having a resource of money. If I had money in the bank. Maybe if I knew what I was supposed to do when I get out of college. Maybe if I knew what college I'm supposed to go to. Then I'll have, that's where my security is, is knowing. You know, some of us get into ruts. Major ruts in our life. We get up, we do the same thing, thinking we'll get a different result. We get up, we go to church, we think we're going to get a different result. Leaving, we go to, go to work, come back, go to church, think we're going to get a different result, go home. I'm not saying church is bad. I'm just saying fall in love with God. Get out of the rut of life. Do something different. Amen. My parents had to sell off their entire company years ago and turn it over to us and say, I yield and I give it to you to be able to go do what God has put on our hearts to do. You have to get out of the rut of life. You have to get out of the tradition of life. You have to let go. Should this church look like every other church? I, I'm not picking on it, but should we be up front in seats out here? Should we have low lights and calm, calm times? Or should we just say, Holy Spirit, come? I told Tom this when I came here. I said, Holy Spirit can paint me blue and stick me to the wall. I don't care. But if you do it, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and I don't care. I could care less if Holy Spirit does it. But I don't want to do it. I don't want to be the church that just meets everybody's needs. And, and that No, God needs to meet your needs. And the church is to come together and worship corporately. In, the, in Deuteronomy, it says this, purge the evil from among you. It says that so many times. Some of us have to purge the evil among us. I was surprised. It says it in Deuteronomy 13, 5, 19, 19, 21, 21, 22, verse 21, 22, and 24, and 20, chapter 24, verse 7. I said, Lord, what is the... What is the evil amongst us? And some of us have hurts that we've dealt with for years and we haven't let go of. We need to purge that from us. Nail that sucker to the cross. Some of us deal with bitterness. Some of us deal with disappointment. Some of us deal with pornography. Nail that thing to the cross. It's a destroyer of marriages. Some of us need to nail the ministry that you have to the cross. Because that's your identity. And that's pride, and that's an evil. So the first thing we do in Deuteronomy, we love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Everything that you got. The second thing is, take the land. In Deuteronomy, it's all about the preparation. Moses is preparing Joshua to go into the land. Funny story, at the very end, if you want to read the book, I'm going to give something away. In the, book of, in the book of Deuteronomy, at the very end, Moses tells Joshua, you're going to lead these people, be really strong and courageous. You're going to take them in, be strong and courageous. You're going to go in. Oh, by the way, they're going to reject God. Oh, be strong and courageous, though. <laughs> he, he tells them what's going to happen. He tells them that these people are going to reject God, but he's going to take them into the promised land. God has given them the promised land even when he knows that they're going to reject him. That's how faithful God is. <laughs> God has shown me through this time that the land that we're supposed to go into is literally loving those around us. Do you know the world is hurting? The world is literally crying out, does anybody give a rip? Suicide is off the charts right now. 
It's, it, it, it's unbelievable the numbers of suicides that are going on. Why? Because people are just giving up. I know a lady who her husband killed himself right in front of her back in June. They were high school sweethearts, married for a long time. Child of nine did it right in front of the child also. The Bible says this, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. I believe we're going into a good land. I don't believe the world is getting worse and worse. I believe God is getting stronger and stronger. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving more and more. And I believe Satan is trying to fight back and he has no clue what to do. He's just trying the same old things, but he's going to get a different result this time. Deuteronomy 9.3 says this, But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them, he will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly. Do you know that the Lord goes in before you, before you do anything? And he destroys and subdues the enemy. He did it on the cross. He says, it's finished. When he says it's finished, it's done. But he didn't stop there. He goes, he wanted to include us. So he included Israel at that time. Well, he included us to go into the land. So when you come across these issues in your life, when you come across the people in your life that are going through issues, have no fear. Cast that sucker out of them. That wicked, wicked Satan that's in them. Say, you're out of here because Jesus loves this person. If you are born on this earth, God loves you. God loves you. He doesn't love the wickedness that is about in you. He loves you, though. Deuteronomy 11, 22 through 23 says this. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow the... you to you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. He will drive this out when we fall in love with him. When we know who our God is, we have no fear of the situation that's before us. We have no fear. If you are, are going through a hard time right now and you are a follower of Christ, that's a good thing. Do you know that's a good thing? Because you have power over that situation in front of you. He has given us all authority in heaven and on earth over that situation. And don't be surprised, it says, many times when you face trials of many many kind. Because those trials produce perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope will not disappoint you. So don't be surprised. They come at us. They killed these guys in the Bible. All we're doing is going through a hard time of finance. You know, moving into this apartment brought a brand new perspective for me, Um, just of living in community and how much the world is hurting. I mean, we've met a lot of different, different people that come from different lifestyles, different backgrounds, different hurts, different, different issues. And they talk to us. I'm amazed if we get out and talk to people, they actually talk to you. You know how you talk to somebody? I realize how you, how you talk to somebody. I walk up, Open mouth, say hi. Hi, my name's Derek. What's your name? Oh, where are you from? Where'd you come from? How long you been here? Sorry, we've been neighbors for 10 years. I never said hi to you. My name's Derek. They want to know people. Our, 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 our apartment complex is just 
filled with amazing people that God put on this earth. And they want to know the truth. They want to know are people genuine. You know, there's been a word over this church. We may have forgot it, but I'm going to bring it back today. In May of last year, it was called um, that we're to go. Go do something. We're supposed to cast off the, the ropes. We're this man of warship that's supposed to go out to battle. I'm telling you, there is a battle going on. And we can either engage or we can ask everybody to come in here. And I'm going to suggest that we go out of these doors and go out. And the word actually was pick two things that you're actually really good at or that you can do and serve your community. And here's the challenge to us and to me. What have we done for our community during COVID? How has this church served our community during COVID? Don't feel guilt. Don't feel pride if we've done something. Just, that's a question. A better question that I heard a pastor ask about 45 days ago is, if my church was gone, would my community know it? If this church closed its doors tomorrow, would the community around here know it? Would they care? Have we done anything for them? What's our neighbor's names in the back? What's our neighbor's names across the street? Does the, does the school know we exist and we want to serve them? So I challenge us again, be that ship that goes out. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Take the land, and the last thing is this. Remember the goodness of God on our life. So many times, actually it's 16 different times in Deuteronomy, it says this, remember the Lord. There's about 32 chapters in Deuteronomy. Every other chapter then would say, remember the Lord. Why? Because it says in Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Cities you did not build, good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. God does these things. God gives us these good things. God heals the sick. It's not us. We are literally vessels that he uses through us, through the Holy Spirit. So remember the Lord your God. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says this, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. We're supposed to remember that it's God who chose us, God who put us here. What are we supposed to remember? Jesus died on the cross. See, a man that's 33 and a half years old is sitting in heaven right now, interceding on our behalf. It says that Jesus came to bring us back into relationship with the Father that was separate back in Adam. And when he died, he went into hell with the keys of the kingdom and he released the saints of, in paradise. And he said, come with me. We're going to a new place. 
and the Abraham and the Isaacs and all them of old went with him to heaven. How do we know this? Because they say that they saw the the saints of old walking through the streets of Jerusalem. So as they pass through, they say, can we, we haven't been here in a while. Can we, can we see this area again? So the, the saints of old walked the streets of Jerusalem. And then Jesus said, we better keep going. And as they went, there was a loud cry from the saints. And they said, open you gates of heaven, open you gates, for the king of glory is coming. And as they approached, they yelled back, the angels yelled back, who is this king of glory? And they said, it's the king of glory, strong and mighty in battle. And God said, come, son, sit at my right hand. Well done. And he said, until we make your enemies your footstool. And he goes, how are we going to make the enemy's footstool, God? And he goes, they're going to do it. We're going to send Holy Spirit to work through each one of them so that they will make your enemies your footstool. That's our commission today. That's our commission to go out into the world and make the enemy his footstool. Do you know, there, is there one thing that God can't conquer? There's not one. He's, he, rest, restoration of relationship. Healing of the sick. If, he can act, if we are sitting here today with a non-visible thing, we know that he saved our life. Could he not do the visible also? Well, he does the visible so that the invisible comes into, into being. See, he does the miracles with those that are not with God so that they will believe and accept God. How many of them came to Jesus during this time and said, will you heal me? I am sick. I need this. Jesus healed them. And then he goes, go and sin no more. Or follow me. So I end with this today. What kind of people are we supposed to be? Lovers of God alone. Land takers. And people who remember what God has done. He's been really faithful, really good. I'm going to end with this. Just a, just a note that uh, I, I read from a buddy of mine on Facebook. It says, just a thought. COVID has brought the entire world to its knees and has caused everyone to face their mor- mortality. The rich, the poor, it doesn't matter. Everyone is susceptible to this virus. You can no longer play the emptiness away but you have to live with it. And many are questioning, is there a God? If there is an eternity or are looking for answers to the questions that they have. The world is scared and many are deeply hurting and alone. Most churches are closed and we the church have been sent back into the neighborhood, no longer dependent on the body, but put out into the world with neighbors who are looking for the answers. I think about when the disciples were sent out into the land after Jesus ascended. Very similar analogy to the church at this moment. Now think about this. What if God has placed his church right where he wants it, out in the streets with the lost who are seeking answers? Here's my questions for you. These are his questions. Are you more concerned with wearing a mask than reaching the lost? Is the church more concerned with getting back into the pews than teaching how to reach the lost? Are you more concerned with Trump, Biden, or whatever political thing you want, in winning the argument with them than just listening to them? Are you more concerned with exposing BLM than reaching those that are crying out? Are you more concerned with exposing someone that isn't following social distancing than wrapping your arms around them because they're crying? Are you more concerned with exposing the government for not letting the church open its doors than reaching your lost neighbors? Are you more concerned with how your child will return to school than 
your neighbor wondering, is there even a reason to live anymore? I ask, as these are some of the common viral posts that I see on Facebook daily, and he says, I, I am too guilty of this. I encourage you today to start focusing on the fact that God has called us to share the gospel, for all of us to reach the lost and hurting, to feed the hungry, to bring a good work in its season, and most of all, to show the love of God every day. So many people right now, so many people right now need to hear, God loves you. My, my, my thing to us is stop repeating what we hear in the news and begin saying what the Bible says. Amen. Can we stand? Awesome. Father, we just want to say we love you this morning. Lord, you're a good God, and we remember all the kindness you've done for us. Lord, we, we just want to say thank you for Holy Spirit living and abiding in us. Thank you for giving us power and authority over sin and death. Lord, we say thank you that you give us apt words at the right time. Lord, we thank you that you open our eyes to the hurting and the lost around us. Father, please forgive us when we've been selfish and thought about ourselves. Lord, please forgive us for walking our way instead of listening to, to the whispers you have in our ears. Lord, we will no longer be that people. We will be a people that go. We will be people that look at our neighbor and say, I love you that will take them cookies and just say, I just wanted to make you some cookies. You look like you were having a bad day when you came home and got out of the car. Father, give us creative minds how to reach the lost. Lord, give us a genuine look in our face when we're talking to others that there's no agenda but to say, I just want to be with you. Father, give, us this church, give this church boldness to reach out of the doors and into the community. Lord, give us people in this church that it's not just the pastors and the elders that have to come up with the decision, but I just pray that there's people in this church that rise up and say, this is what we should do. And they have great ideas and they reach out. I pray that you refresh what once was into what will now be. Lord, I pray for the dreams of old to come to the realization of today. Lord, we thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a loving Father. And we bless our week. We bless it, Father, with health. We bless it that the cars will start. We bless it that our, church, that our children will be protected when they go to school. But Lord, we are not worried about protection more than we're worried about just loving on you. Father, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.